Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 4. Today we're talking to John T. Bear, the founder of Metal, Understand.io, and the Laravel Live UK about monitoring and debugging. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Laravel Podcast Season 4, where every single episode is about a specific topic. And our topic for this episode is debugging and monitoring. And if you're unfamiliar with those topics, debugging, when I'm talking about that, what I'm primarily meaning is when there's a bug in your application, whether it's a bug as you're programming it or it's a bug that happens in production as the users are using it, how do you figure out where the bug came from and how to fix it? And then in monitoring, it is more about when your application is running and you're not thinking about it, how do you know how it's going? And monitoring is relevant both for bugs, so there's there's exception handling and tracking, that kind of stuff, but also non-bugs like resource usage and logs and all that kind of stuff. So I'm bringing on the, um, oh, so let, let me get out my words right, the founder or co-founder, you'll have to tell me, of Metal, um, which is a consultancy working in um, Laravel. And then we've got understand.io, which is an exception handling and I think log tracking service, although I'll let you tell me when I'm right there, um, for Laravel. I think it was the original Laravel-focused exception tracking service. And then also the organizer and founder of Laravel Live UK, which is a Laravel Live conference. And if anybody's know, the Laravel Live conferences are the um, regional, not sponsored by Taylor, but officially sanctioned by Taylor, um, conferences that happen in, in India and in London and some other places. And so he runs, uh, Laravel Live UK. Um, and there's probably 10,000 other things. I know you've had other products and other companies, um, but we met because, uh, through Laravel Live UK. And I thought that you'd be a perfect person to bring on because you run understand.io. So you understand monitoring. So even though I just talked a lot about what you do, could you introduce yourself and kind of talk about what, what do you do? And also what's your history working with debugging and monitoring? Yep. So thanks very much for having me on. Um, my, I think probably it might be a good idea just to take two minutes and say my background actually isn't in programming or development at all. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I came to this relatively late in my life um, and was in a completely different career in corporate finance and banking. And that's what I had studied, you know, for uh, eight years or so. And um, I only came into programming probably about 11 or 12 years ago. Okay. And um, at that time, Codeigniter was kind of the framework to uh, um, to be using for small products. Zend was around and Symfony was kind of starting. And um, due to a change in per personal circumstances, I kind of found my way into the programming development world. Uh, started a project on Codeigniter. In fact, that project is still running in partly nice. Codeigniter, partly Laravel. It's a kind of mix of the two. Mm -hmm. And um, I came across Taylor, who kind of came into Codeigniter at the same time on the Codeigniter forums and was kind of aware of Laravel right from version one um, mm -hmm. when he released it. Um, and that's kind of my introduction to Laravel from there. So, and I think I actually had a application in production on Laravel too. Oh, that's um, impressive. It wasn't, it wasn't for a long time because Laravel uh -huh. 3 came out quite shortly after that. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely in two and I remember having to kind of upgrade it to Laravel 3, which was relatively easy in those days. Yeah. Um, and I think partly because I was involved in the community from those early days, um, it kind of naturally grew into a consulting side business at the same time I was running a SaaS company. 
And that's how Metal was founded. And so it's grown a little bit over the years. We've got a, a couple of employees now. Um, I'm the sole founder of it, 100% um, remote company. Um, we're in, we got employees in four countries, I think. Mm, cool. And, um, and so basically what I do now is we run, Metal runs a couple of SaaS, of our own SaaS companies. And then we do consulting work as well. And they mm -hmm. kind of complement each other. Got it. Um, the consulting is the bigger part of our business, but we're hoping to grow product slowly but surely over time. So there's no rush to, you know, make a big bash or anything. It's just we grow our SaaS products yeah. and, and time over time it compounds. So <clears throat> how I got into kind of the debugging and monitoring part was um, – uh, one of the guys that works with me, Ivis, um, was um, has a strong Elasticsearch background, and he oh, came cool. to me with a kind of proof of concept um, pretty early on. And he said, "I've kind of built this tool, which is a log tracking tool." Mm -hmm. And at that time, it wasn't specific to Laravel at all. It was just a generic, you send an HTTP post to an endpoint and it stores it in Elasticsearch and it indexes it. And then you can mm -hmm. do a free text search on your log files. And he said, well, don't you think this would be awesome for something like Laravel? So there wasn't a lot of Laravel specific products at the time. I think PaperTrail yeah. had kind of had an, had an agent a Laravel agent, but most of the others weren't Laravel specific. So that's mm -hmm. essentially how understand.io was born. And at that time, it was purely a log tracking tool. So it didn't have anything to do with exceptions oh, or bugs. It was purely logs. Um, okay. And um, so we launched it on that basis that it was a log tracking tool and had a kind of few kind of features tied into exceptions where you could set alerts and all the rest of it. And slowly over time, we pivoted away from being purely logs to being a more exception and bug tracking tool because I think that's what people are mostly interested in. Then, yes, logs are interesting. And yes, you can search through your logs if you're looking for something specific. But really what people want to know is, is there something going wrong? Is, you know, are my users hitting a specific area? And if they are, I want to be alerted about that straight away. And so the log, the log, just sending raw log data, totally fine. It still works. And we have some, um, some customers that are sending us in the order of a million log entries a day. Um, and for some, but for most customers, they want just the pure, uh, exception tracking. Yeah. And so it's a Laravel specific tool. Um, but we did introduce on top of that as well, JavaScript tracking oh, cool. and exception tracking. Uh, when was that about six months ago or so? Um, and so that's just another tool in the arsenal to help with it. Um, and that's really how I understand .io was, was born and um, has grown over time. Okay. 
Yeah. So you, you got into it as a, a function of need. And for anybody who doesn't know, in the early days of Laravel, um, there's a lot of software as a service applications that we all rely on today that didn't have any PHP and or Laravel integrations whatsoever. And so one of the things we all had to do in those early days is either build our own adapters or build our own kind of rudimentary versions of the same things like Jonty's talking about here. And sometimes we also had to campaign those peoples and say, hey, you know what? We're a growing market. You should consider, you know, actually building adapters for all these, you know, our things and potentially docs. And even for the longest time, and some of them still, the PHP and or Laravel docs are just completely substandard compared to the, their normal markets like Ruby and JavaScript and stuff like that. So the, the idea that you had to build your own log management doesn't surprise me at all because I do remember when Paper Trail first really kind of built integration for, for Laravel. It was this big kind of moment of joy for us. Yeah. And it took a while to find. We, we tried a whole bunch of different Ruby exception track, trackers trying to like mash PHP and Laravel into them until I think it was Bugsnag was the first one we used that was a full-on exception tracker. So, yep. But you know yep. what? I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because we haven't even introduced the concepts we're talking about here. So I've got three ideas here two of which I've prepped you for and one of which I haven't. And I'm going to ask you for each of these, these ideas, if you had to describe this, this word, this topic to a five-year-old, how would you describe it? So the first one is debugging. What is debugging in the programming context? So from my perspective, debugging, um, it kind of contains the word, the, the key word of bug. Mm-hmm. And, that, and a bug is when something goes wrong. Um, how do you find out what has gone wrong? And um, you need to be an investigator, and there's a few different ways that you can approach it depending on um, what the bug is, how you go about that. All right, and then, so the next one is, uh, what is monitoring? Yeah, so monitoring I would define as uh, making sure you keep an eye on your services um, to ensure that they're running um, in the best possible way. Um, and that may be uh, maybe a bit difficult for me to explain to a five-year-old, um, right. <laughs> but it's just making sure that everything's running smoothly and uh, that nothing unexpected is happening uh, to your program. Yeah, that's great. And the last one is hard to explain to anybody, and I didn't prepare you, so uh, yeah. you know, no worries if not, but how, what is observability? I think probably the two previous ones kind of fit into observability in 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 some way because you need a way to surface the bugs that you find or the monitoring that you that's taking place and present it in a way that's observable, visible, easy to understand, and hopefully easy to rectify um, at the end of the day. All right. Um... So when it comes down to all three of these things, as you can see, they're, they're all kind of related. They're understanding what's going on. And some of them more explicitly focus on when things are going wrong, for example, debugging. Um, but some of them are about whether it's wrong or right. And that was one of the things that Chanchi's saying here is that monitoring is about not just knowing whether there's exceptions, but it's also just knowing uh, uh, what's the server load or whatever it else it ends up being. It's having an understanding of how things are going. And, and if you've been programming for a little while, um, you probably have had experiences where you push something up and you assume it's working fine. And then something breaks and you don't know why it's breaking. And then you have to start looking at the smells, right? 
Yep. One of the smells that, you know, I've often seen happen for people early in the days is, uh, well, we're getting this particular error and now we get a white screen. And then they say, well, they, yep. let's go Google mm-hmm. that error. And then that error tells you you're out of storage space or you're out of inodes. But you didn't know that preactively. Right. And so, yep. you know, when you're talking monitoring and observability, you're in this world where you say, what are the things we need to be on top of so we don't hit the error? You know, but we fix the problem before the error happens. And so for in that particular circumstance, you'd say, well, we need to at any given moment know how close we are to 100 percent of uh, inode usage and 100 percent of disk usage so that when we hit 80 percent, we're aware and we do some we make a change. So we never actually hit that error. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I think those are really fantastic descriptions for that. Yep. So. When what's just just, you know, again, we're targeting both people who have been programming for 20 years and are, are programming pros. We also are targeting people who have been programming for 20 years who don't have a good handling on monitoring observability. But then we're also targeting people who are just getting started. So let's 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 talk to the people who are just getting started for a little bit. What what is it like? What's the most common circumstance when you're programming and you find a bug where some sort of debugging tool or process is helpful for you in your local development? Like what's the, can you give me just like an example of sometime recently where you're programming and you know, you just found a bug and it wasn't immediately apparent what was going on and what tool did you use to help you figure out what the bug was? Yep. I think, I think probably, um, it's, it would be interesting to, to just touch on for a minute is to describe the process now versus when I started yeah. 10, 10 or 12 years ago. Because, I mean, in those days, I, w- I was programming on Windows. I think it may have been XP in those days mm-hmm. with um, that XAMPP um, yep. installation, which kind of runs PHP and MySQL for you as a service on Windows. And so this is back in CodeIgniter two days and you'd if, like if there was an error it took you a lot of time to try find out what you know what was the, what caused the error um where did it come from because typically it was just like a generic php error message there were no stack traces there was you know nothing along those lines as to give you some clue of where to look or, or where to find it and if you compare that now to the kind of tools we got now, you know, if, if an error is thrown in uh, on your local environment, well, you're going to get an, an awesome um, uh, error screen showing you exactly where the error, uh, nine times out of ten, exactly where the error has come from, a whole uh, um, stack trace, uh, and all the debug information. Um, and and so it's a much much easier task these days than it was five or ten years ago. To find out, you know what's gone wrong. Yeah, um, I think historically, and I actually remember getting this running on Zamp. I actually used debug to step through the code step by step if there was an error. So you could so you could really inspect all the variables at runtime, um, and you know go through it step by step until you found out exactly on which line it was erroring and what the state of your request was at that point in time. I think. Um, I think the need for doing that kind of debugging these days is not as great because of the state of the tooling that's available now. And um, and so, you know, most of the time, either you can uh, an, an exception thrown through your program or you can just do a simple DD. And I'd say 99 times out of 100, that will give you enough information on, you know, on how to debug further. Um, if you're a new programmer, well, you 
you might need to do a bit more investigation to find out how to fix it. And I think, you know, for me, being able to debug an error is one of the key critical skills of Mm -hmm. probably moving from a beginner to somebody of a more senior level. Because that's the only the only thing that that can help you with that is experience. You can't go read a manual to learn. You know, you can read a uh, you can read books or websites or watch videos, but when an when an error or an exception is thrown, the ability to fix that and fix it quickly is an experience based thing, and and that's something which you know will come over time and is usually the thing that separates. Uh, somebody who's just starting off from somebody who's more experienced. I love that. That's a great point. And it's it's interesting. Like, so we've been, I don't know if you're familiar with this tool, but I'm building this tool called OnRamp that, um, yeah. And so one of the things we've realized is that there's technical skills, skills you need to teach people, but there's also like process skills. And I realized we need a whole section about how to debug. And like, because the number of times when I've been teaching somebody who's new, who's read all the documentation, they've read the books, but what they don't know how to do is figure out how to solve a problem when it happens. That's actually, right. the, I think the best thing that's come out of my live streams is that I break stuff all the time in my live streams and people watch what my process is for fixing things. And they either A, learn or B, yep. are validated, you know, that, yep. oh, Matt breaks stuff all the time too. And he uses the same tools that I use to, to, to fix them too. Absolutely, and I think I think there's there's two points there. One is there's there's nothing wrong with an error or an exception being thrown when you're yeah. working locally. It's like it's almost if if there isn't an error or an exception, then I'm I think something's wrong rather than yeah. something's right. Um, and it's an, it's definitely an opportunity to learn. Um, I think you made a good point there as well about how how do you teach somebody to debug. One of the clients that we used to work with, um, we used to do all the backend infrastructure for them. In fact, we still do. And they had a a very small team um, that we used to complement. And um, we had to write a kind of semi-manual on how to fix certain things if a bug happened in production mm-hmm. because our time zones were completely different and we weren't always available to investigate or fix something. And so it's like we would write out, as you said, smells. Mm-hmm. It, these are the smells. If this happens, these are the steps you need to take. And we would list five steps. And yeah. most of the time it would be like, okay, the, this will get you to the right to the right endpoint if you follow these five steps. Yeah. But if if there was a smell that they hadn't encountered or that we hadn't described to them before or written down you know they, they would it would take them two or three hours or whatever to fix it and in the end you know they may ping us in the middle of the night and say hey our server's falling over how do we fix it and it would be a five minute job for us because we've seen it before yeah i love that i and i love the idea of providing people with that level of tooling because it's you know it's like you're giving the client not just the ability for everything to hopefully work but also things for ways for things to for them to have that ability and, and it's like the you know give a man a fish, fish versus teach yeah. a man a fish type thing i love yeah. that absolutely right, and, and so and so uh-huh. actually sorry just to, just to add on no, to that no. one one of the learning tools that we use internally as a company is if something goes wrong on one of our servers I won't give it to the best guy in the company who I know will fix it in two minutes. I'll give it to one of the other guys and say, hey, here's this error. Can you go fix it? If it's not something critical. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if, if 
I'll put one of the more experienced guys with him and, you know, just to watch him silently that he's not going to break anything or that he's moving along the right path. And that's what gives him experience because, you know, fixing bugs in production is a different story to doing it in on localhost. You've got the added pressure, you've got, you know, maybe the servers down and it's like you feel, you kind of feel this weight on your shoulders, like yeah. I need to fix this as quickly as possible. And that's a great learning experience. That's a great environment to learn in. Yeah. And that was actually a perfect transition. My next question was, what's the last time you remember catching a bug via an exception tracker? And it's funny because I actually just one just popped up in my a little notification in the corner of my window. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll actually show that one really quickly. We I just had a bug pop up on a project that we released at the beginning of the week. And it says, let me see what this this error says. It says, uh, unhandled error, um, error call to member function runs on null. And then what it just for anybody who's never worked with like an exception tracker, like understand.io or bug snag, whatever else is. And then it says location, you know, it's in app slash HTTP slash middleware slash the middleware.php colon 75. So I yeah. know exactly what file the problem is in. I know what the error is. If it says call to member function runs parens on a null, I bet you runs is a relationship on an eloquent object, you know, so like yeah. they're, Oh my gosh, I know, I know exactly what the problem is. I know how to fix it and somebody else is going to go fix it. But like, I, you know, that level of knowledge versus the client just saying, hey, the screen's white. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? So yep. it's, it's exactly what you said, right? Seeing that exception is a win because it means yep. that like I'm terrified of the thing breaking and there's not an exception. That's the worst thing yep. for me, you know? Yeah. And yeah. and again, just to contrast that with 10 years ago in a coding nighter, something falling over in coding nighter in production and you get a client saying, I'm doing this and, you know, it's there's just a white screen. Yeah. And there was... There was no way that you could, you know, easily surface what that error was other than saying, hey, could you give me the steps that you did before that? And then you would yep. log into the application and try to replicate the steps. Yep. And sometimes you'd even say, hey, can we log in in your account? Can we masquerade and see if we yeah. can do it, you know? And, you know, it, it was difficult. I mean, I remember spending days on what would probably be, you know, a really simple fix with the tooling that we have these uh, nowadays. Um, yep. so yeah, fun, fun times. Yeah. And it, so we also at Titan, we run a software as a service that until maybe a month ago was code igniter and Laravel. We originally wrote it in code igniter and I introduced the, the first Laravel components right before my first talk at Laircon EU, but I don't remember when that was. So at least six years ago, I think, um, and we've been slowly transitioning it. And one of the hardest parts we had was that we 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 eventually got to the point recently where Laravel was running the whole thing, and there was just some code igniter routes. Bug snag was around the whole thing. But um, when errors happen in the code igniter world, they yeah. still didn't. They would still often we, we if something would swallow the stack trace. And so yeah. that's a note uh, that I want to uh, have everybody listen to. What I, he just said when an when exception happens, what that really means is that something exceptional happened, right? And exceptional means what it was not intended to happen. Now, when you yeah. have an exception happen in a small piece of code and then you've got a try-catch block above it, what that means is, well, we, it's not actually that exceptional. We kind of knew it was going to break. But when the exception makes it the whole way up to the top of the application with nothing catching it, that means that we as programmers never expected this thing to happen. And so getting information about those things is wonderful because that means someone was able to trigger a state that you never expected to happen. And the, the system's going to tell you and you can immediately, they're going to tell you where that state happened and where there was or wasn't a catch or whether there's whatever, wasn't a guard or whatever it is. And then you just get to go fix it. And it's magical. Yep. So yep. yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So when people are trying to get debugging or monitoring or logging or observability set up, what is the what do you think the biggest difficulties that people run into, whether it's learning how to do it, learning how it works, or getting it set up? Like what, what is the thing that gets people stuck the most? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think with the tooling nowadays, it's relatively easy to get set up um, for application exceptions Mm -hmm. because it's usually just a composer install. So composer install understand or composer install bug snag, whatever it is, which is relatively easy. Um, I think if you're talking about server monitoring, well, then you're moving on to a whole different aspect because you need to have some knowledge of command line or bash to be able to SSH into your server and um, install an agent and um, set it up, maybe add some keys um, or API keys to it. And I think, you know, DevOps as a whole is um, requires a completely different skill set to application programming. Um, And, you know, if if your day job in and out is writing programs or developing in Laravel or working with a database and writing queries, then I think the job of debugging that is going to be relatively okay and easy and you'll learn to do it. But I think the job of um, debugging something going wrong with your server you know, is a completely different ball game. And that's mm-hmm. a whole nother skill set which you have to learn over time. Um, you know, what happens when the server runs out of memory or runs out of disk, disk space? What are the smells that you're going to get? And how yeah. you, you know, how you're going to surface that? Um, yes, you can install a, um, a server monitoring tool and there are plenty of open source ones which work totally fine. Um, you'll need to set it up and set up all the alerts and all the rest of it, which is, again, it's just a time-consuming thing. Um, so I think I think it really depends on whether you're talking about application or server monitoring, because I think from an application monitoring point of view, just to go back to your original question, it's super easy to get up. Um, and over time, you'll learn how to debug. Mm-hmm. Um, server monitoring, more difficult to set up and I think even more difficult to debug. Yeah. Do you have um, a preferred stack that you use for server monitoring? So um, this is a good question. Um, we run we run two stacks at the moment and kind of all of our services filter into them. Um, the one is just a simple, not a simple because it's not simple, but it's an ELK stack. Okay. So, um, and for those who don't know, it's Elasticsearch, Kibana, um, and um, basically you install an agent on each of your servers and it feeds the metrics back into a centralized server that you run. Mm-hmm. And then you can uh, set up alerts for each of the servers that you're monitoring. The second one um, that we use is called a tick stack. I don't know if you're familiar with us, I've but it's based on Influx. Before. So Influx DB is a time series database. Okay. Uh, it's open source. Um, and um, it, they have a monitoring agent which you can install. They've got a alerting agent, and they've got a charting agent. And so you set up the agents 
on all your separate servers. It works exactly like the Elk stack. And then you have a centralized server, which is running Influx, and they all push data into the Influx database. And you can then generate uh, charts and graphs and alerts based on that. Oh, cool. That's really nice. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, uh, we've worked a bit, quite a bit with t- kind of time series, which is how we came across Influx. And then we thought, hey, they've got a whole stack. It's 100% open source. Let's give it a bash. And it, it worked really nicely. Um, I can't say like I really prefer Elk over uh, Tick stack. They both do the job relatively well. You know, the charts look a bit different. They both uh, give you the same kind of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this brings me on to another point, um, which is, um, so we've been considering um, this whole uh, side of Laravel for the last while mm-hmm. uh, in terms of server monitoring and what, what options are there available for a Laravel specific product. And actually, well, there's nothing really specific to Laravel. Yes, you can install, I think Scout is a pretty good option. Um, and you can install Elk if you want, or TickStack, or whatever. But we've been working on an option, which is a Composer install, and it will monitor 95% of your server and really? application metrics for you. Okay. Um, there's very little overhead to it, so we've done a lot of work on fine-tuning the back end. Um, it's, yes, it still runs a PHP process, um, but... Um, you'll be able to push a lot of metrics into a system and have it reported for you automatically. Um, so that's something fun to look forward to. Does it have a name that you can share yet or no? It does have a name, um, but I'm going to keep it quiet for All now. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, it's um, actually the, fir- the first time that I've purchased a domain. I, was that the one you, I like see a you had like purchasing about? a secondhand domain. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm super excited because I had no idea. So y'all, I, I invited him on because I thought he was the right person for this, not because I um, knew that this was coming, but we at Titan have, have kind of danced around with different options. We'll be looking at some open source ones. We know about Elkstack and it's just have been feeling like there should be an easier option for Laravel programmers. So I'm, yep. I'm very much looking forward to it and we'll just kind of leave it there. And for those who are listening, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months after release, when it gets launched, I'll do my best to remember to come back and add it to the show notes here. Um, but of course, you can also follow John T or me and we'll make sure that we, you know about it. And I'll, we'll, we'll put all the notes about how to follow us on Twitter and everything like that at the end of the episode. Um, but going back really quickly. So we talked about server monitoring there. Let's talk about application monitoring again for a little bit. So you talked about application monitoring in production. What is uh, What do you think is the most difficult or likely to get people stuck aspect of learning or setting up a debugging process on local dev? Oh, um, what is the most difficult step in setting, in getting debug set up on your local host? Either, um, either set up or learning it, whichever, whichever, just basically like what, when somebody goes from, I can't debug to, I can debug locally. Yeah. What do you think is the yeah. most likely thing to trip them up? Um, I think in terms of setting it up, it's there out the box, right? You mm-hmm. just, you you set uh, your debug to true in your .env file and and it's there by default. So I think you know in terms of getting it set up, it's it's really super simple these days. What is the hardest thing to learn um, out of that? Um, I think probably some of the more 
esoteric things to come out of it is probably related to the database. Um, because most code things you can kind of figure out and see where you've gone wrong and either it trips you up at runtime um, or if you you know if you if you're running it on test data something will come out of it but if it's like something related to the database I think that's a, again it's another skill set that that you kind of have to learn in conjunction with just doing programming and development mm -hmm. and you know maybe it's a foreign key um that hasn't been uh, set correctly um or maybe a relationship hasn't been loaded correctly in laravel and i think you know just on some of the slack channels that that i kind of uh, frequent or on stack overflow i think probably the, the db questions are the ones that kind of seem to come up the most because it's also it's it's usually quite specific to your project most application errors, in other words, ones that just happen in your code, most of the time they're not specific to your product. Somebody's seen it before 99 times out of 100. But with a database, you've got your own unique database structure with your own relationships, your own foreign keys, your own uh, indices. And that's something specific to your project. You kind of need to understand how it all fits together in order to debug that. I think that's a great point. And, um... I, I do agree a lot. I think that the number one thing that gets people stuck as they are learning how to do that is just trying to understand the both the unique aspects of their application. Um, and then also, you know, sometimes it helps a little bit to understand how your tooling, how your tools or your um, your uh, your framework works. And, and so one of the things that I've often had to teach people is what it looks like to. Like, let's assume that if you're new, you're probably not new in using Vim. So let's assume you're new and you're using at least VS Code or PHP Storm. Um, so you have the ability to click through to methods when, you know, when you're calling things. So one of the first things I do is, well, you know, do that, do that dump and die where you're finding your problem. You know, look at your stack trace or whatever else it ends up being and what you what the context you should get for free, whether based on, you know, having set app debug to true, which is what uh, John T mentioned, or doing yeah. a dump and die, a DD somewhere. Regardless, you should get a stack trace. And if anybody's not familiar, a stack trace is something that basically says from the initial request and in public slash index.php what did that call then what did that call and then what did that call and from there you're going to go through obviously a lot of middleware and a lot of Laravel application code eventually you're going to get to your code and so figure out where in that stack did something do something other than what you wanted and usually that's just enough but if not you then go open your code or other files and you click through and you, you often can like command click or control click on a method name that you're calling and then that takes you to where that method is defined and so you can kind of click through your call stack and figure out what's actually happening here. So yep. it's the timing of this is very interesting because just two days ago, there was a big public drama around Xdebug where the yes. founder of Xdebug said anybody who doesn't use Xdebug is an amateur, which is, I just want to say it publicly, it's a very untrue statement. And yep. I've talked with him and he has since recanted. Um, but what the note there was, Xdebug is this whole separate world that is very difficult to set up, set up but it it brings all these things we're talking about us having to do a little bit more manually, like into a single environment where you actually can step through each of those aspects of the, the stack trace. Exactly. I would say if you're just getting st started, don't worry about Xdebug right now. No, it is a useful tool that is very difficult to set up right now. And we as a community are working hard to try and get it to be easier to set up over the next months. So right now, don't yeah. worry about it. Know that it's it's great. But right now, just get that stack trace somehow. If you can see a stack trace, good. And if you got an error without a stack trace in your local development, then you should change your local development environment. First yeah. thing being, go to your .env file and, and set app underscore debug to true, right? So yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I think, you know, in, in the early days of when I was using Codeigniter and there wasn't a great uh, exception tracker, I think the use of Xdebug I found super helpful at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it took a lot. Of, I remember spending hours and hours, maybe days on, you know, get, getting it set up. I think I was using NetBeans at that time, if mm-hmm. anybody even remembers that far back. Yeah. And, um, um, but I, I think I think you made a very good point. Like, for, if you're just getting started in programming now, don't bother with getting XDebug set up to start off with. It's something yeah. that you can add to your tool set later, but you know, for most cases, just using the exception that's thrown in Laravel is totally fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, so obviously I could talk to you for hours, but we're already 40 minutes in. So, or at least 40 minutes in my recording. So what else have we not covered? If you were trying to work with somebody who's just getting started programming right now, what, what should they know or learn, or what do you want to kind of trigger them to go think about, um, to really have a good handle on debugging and monitoring both in the application server space such that it's just can, you know, get them to the next step. Maybe not hundred percent there. What's the next step for everybody? Yep. I think there's there's probably two things to mention here is one, an exception or an error is not something to be avoided. It's something to be welcomed because it's a Mm -hmm. learning opportunity. And every single time you throw your application throws an exception, that's an opportunity for you to learn how to one, how to do it better uh, the next time around. Um, And and two, how to actually fix it if something similar happens in the future. Mm-hmm. So, so don't be afraid of you know of exceptions. I think the second thing, and a lot of credit must go to Taylor in the early days, is the Laravel community as a whole is very welcoming generally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some great IRC cha- oh, well not IRC Slack channels. In the early days, it was IRC. I remember being on that IRC channel in the early days. There's yeah. some great Slack channels um, where um, very helpful people. Um, they'll help you find out what the issue is, help you debug it. Um, um, there's one in the, uh, it's kind of a UK specific one, uh, UK, uh, Laravel Slack chat. Um, but anybody from around the world is welcome to join. Um, and there's a help needed channel and, you know, if somebody posts a question, there'll be 10 people offering you their help on how to fix it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and again, that's just a learning opportunity. Um, it's always great to learn from people that have been down that road before and can maybe uh, elucidate and explain, you know, a little bit more on the topic. Yeah. And uh, Slack, the Laravel Slack actually officially moved to a Laravel Discord now. So I'm going to oh, right. link and in the show notes. I'll link out the Laravel Discord and then the Laravel Live UK or the Laravel UK um, Slack channel yes. as well. If anybody wants to join those and and, you know, Google and, and Stack Overflow are, you know, they're they're good tools in a developer's arsenal as well. So between all those, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot we have available to you to help us understand what's going. And I, I would say that the biggest goal for someone learning about debugging is moving from seeing an error and not understanding it and Googling that error or asking other people what that error means and going to the point where they see an error and they can understand what it means. Because if you understand what the error means, then you have so much more capacity to be able to figure out where is it coming from? Why is it happening? How do I fix it? Without having to look for somebody who, and sometimes errors are esoteric. They just, they say something that doesn't make sense. And learning just means realizing that that thing that makes sense the last time it happened meant this thing. So there's some, there's some ways you can't get smart enough to know what every error means. You know, it's just that that's what this particular 
solar system throws, when that other thing happens, no human could ever parse it. But yeah. many of the types of errors we run into every day, you can infer what's going on just by learning a little bit about the systems that are throwing the error. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because it's it's almost exactly the same as learning a new language hmm. in that when you learn a new language and somebody says a word that you don't understand, you you know, you, you literally don't understand what it means and you need to go off and find out what does that mean or look in a dictionary or look it up on the internet. And mm -hmm. it's the exact same thing when you're starting programming and an exception happens. What does this mean? I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. and you need to go off and research. But the next time you hear that word in a foreign language, it may take you a few seconds to remember it. And the time after that, it will take you three seconds. And the time after that, you'll know instantly. Yeah. And it's the exact same thing with, you know, trying to debug your application in that each time you encounter it, it will become more and more familiar until you understand exactly what it means straight away when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. So since we're wrapping up, are there any re learning resources that you would turn people to? Are there blog posts or articles, video series where you think this is actually doing a great job of teaching people how to do application monitoring or debugging or server monitoring or anything like that? Um, there's, there aren't any off the top of my head, but I think, you know, the usual suspects in the community offer, um, a lot of good advice on, um, on just about learning more in general. Um, then there aren't any specific blog posts or, uh, articles that I know specifically, you know, handling monitoring and how to find it out. So, yeah. Um, well, and I, you know what, I, I'll ask one, I'll add one really quickly. I, 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 I actually don't know anybody who's teaching about observability or about monitoring and debugging either. But I do know that in terms of observability, which is a little bit of like the 2.0 version of this conversation, Char yeah. uh, Charity Majors is really well known for teaching a lot about observability. Um, so she runs a company called Honeycomb, but she's also done a podcast about like the basics of observability. And I will link right. those in the show notes. So there are, okay. there are good learning resources for observability, but I'm with you, man. I, I, I can't actually say who teaches you how to debug and who teaches you how to monitor. And in some ways, because teaching how to monitor is just saying, go install X tool, you know, <laughs> and yeah. use it and teaching yeah. how to debug. I, I really agree with you. I think a lot of learning about debugging is just, you know, doing it seeing the errors, you know, making sure yeah. you have your debug enabled and Laravel is really going to set you up pretty well to have everything you yeah. need to just go do it. And once you go do it, that's how you learn. So yeah, yep. I think it's a great point. All right. Last thing is a personal fun moment. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to make a jump that could be entirely wrong. So I hope I'm not entirely wrong, but uh, I know both from our personal history of conversations and from your accent that you're not originally from the UK. And so because I know that you're South African, I want to ask, are you a rugby fan? Well, there aren't many rug South Africans that aren't rugby fans, so that, okay, that is right. slightly so, rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just want, uh, before I assumed, I want to make sure. So I know basically nothing about rugby other than that you've got this big kind of thick ball and it's like this weird, like aggressive, not weird. It's this aggressive combination of soccer, like American soccer, and so football, yep. and then American yep. football, like in my yep. perception as an American. Can yep. you tell me like what's what's either give me like the real quick rundown of how rugby works or tell me what you like the most about rugby or just kind of inform me as an ignorant American. Tell me something about rugby. OK, so a rugby team is made up of 15 players. Mm -hmm. um, typically, they'll stay on for the whole match, although you are allowed, I think, up to five substitutions throughout the whole match. OK, OK. Um, the team is split into generally into two uh different sections one is called the forwards and one is called the backs mm -hmm. 
Okay. And the forwards tend to be uh, bigger, taller, uh, stronger, mm-hmm. and uh, they will um, more often fight over the I'm using the word fight, but it's not really fight. They will often tussle over the ball. Uh-huh. And the backs are generally faster and quicker. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, you can only pass the ball backwards in rugby, but you can kick it forwards. You can kick it forward, but you can't throw it forwards. You you can't throw it forwards. Oh, Correct. interesting. So every time you pass to another player, pass in American mm-hmm. accent, <laughs> it has to go backwards. Interesting. Um, and the only time play stops is if the ball goes out of bounds or if there's a infringement of some form. Mm-hmm. So the play can continue for five minutes non-stop as long as you know as long as everything um as long as the ball doesn't go out or there's no infringement there are three ways to score points the first Mm -hmm. way is to run over the in the end goal area which is called the try line and dot the ball down and touch the ball down on the ground in which case you get five points okay once you've done that uh you get a free kick in between the posts Mm mm-hmm and it's in line with where you touch the ball um, on oh, the trial line. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that is worth two points. Okay. If the other team infringes, you get a penalty. You can, you're allowed to kick for posts if you want. In other okay. words, try kick it between the posts. From where and the penalty worth, was, though? And that is worth three points. Okay. And that's the game of rugby. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, I, so, I, I so actually, in, sorry, in, when I went to school in South Africa, in my school, it was compulsory for every year eight and nine boy to play rugby unless you no. had a medical exemption. Uh, it was completely compulsory. So we had in our year group, uh, we had, I think, seven or eight teams of mm-hmm. 15 players in each team. Wow. Playing, And then there were six years so it was a huge cultural thing in South Africa yeah. to play rugby. Huge cultural thing. I've never heard of compulsory sports in my life. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I got two more questions for you. Um, number one, my my mental image of rugby is, I don't know if I would use the word violent, but I would <laughs> think of more um, tussling is the word you use. More yeah. like physical bumping, grabbing, pushing, shoving is allowed in rugby than in other sports that are yeah. similar, like, like uh, football and American football. Is that right? Yeah. So I heard somebody describe rugby not as a contact sport, but as mm-hmm. a collision sport, <laughs> which which probably you know is quite accurate. I think you know I think the collisions in American football are are probably harder, but you've got helmets and yeah, helmets body and armor, yeah. whereas there's nothing in rugby. And mm-hmm. honestly, I do not understand how these guys get through a match every single time. Not every single time, but you know, without being more badly injured because these are, you know, the average rugby player is probably 110 kilograms, which is 250 pounds. Wow. Okay. Uh, Six foot two, you know, and then Mm -hmm. some of the forwards will be, you know, even bigger than that. They'll be maybe 300 pounds. Six foot wow. seven, six foot nine. Wow! And and so and so, you know, you have these guys running at full tilt and literally, you know, crashing into each other, <laughs> and getting up and then, you know, carrying on. I do yeah. not understand. You know, it is it is insane. But as far as a spectator sport goes, you know, if you understand the rules, I haven't found a game that is a better game to watch. I love it. 
And that's perfect segue to my next question, which is who's the best team? Well, thank you for asking, because currently the Springboks are the world champions. The Springboks <laughs> is the South African national team. Uh-huh. So so there's a World Cup every four years. And the last World Cup okay. was uh, last year. Mm-hmm. And and the South Africans won. And so you'll have every rugby major rugby playing nation in the world, um, you know, at, at every rugby World Cup. And... Um, I'm sure I'll get a little bit of stick from my Kiwi, which is New uh-huh. Zealand friends, because typically, typically New Zealand is the strongest team, yeah. and they they were kind of a shoehorn in to win this Rugby World Cup for the third time running or yeah. something. Um, but it didn't happen for them this time around. So anyway. Uh, that's that's and, and you know I, I definitely asked it that way on purpose because I know that each person's going to answer it differently. So you know I totally yeah. understand. Um, so yeah, I was I was actually also going to ask what are the big countries that do it, but I think you probably you probably don't have time to sit and list all of them. But I did know that New Zealand and and, and uh, South uh, South Africa are the South two Africa. biggest ones that I know of. So yeah, I think that probably the two other big ones are England and Australia, and okay. then Wales, France, Ireland. Um, are probably the you know the, kind of on the next tier, something yeah. like that. Very cool. Well, I have um, some of my neighbors are South African, so at very strange hours of the day, you'll just hear them <laughs> screaming <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> because you know it's not you know they're watching it live through some kind of satellite hookup or yeah. something. So yeah. very cool. So, All uh, right. Uh, okay. Yep. Okay. No, sorry. Go on. Uh, so that was that was it for today. So what we're going to do is I want to give you a chance to know how people can follow you, give me give you money or whatever else. And I'll make sure I put all this in the show notes. So where where should they follow you? What are your products? What does it look like to work with you? All that kind of stuff. OK, so my Twitter handle is John T. Bear, B-E-H-R. Um, I don't tweet that much, but I'm kind of always there or thereabouts. Um, the company which I run is Metal, uh, and that is M-E-T-T-L-E dot I-O. Um, our main SaaS product in the Laravel sphere is um, understand.io, which is, uh, as Matt said, an exception log tracking tool. Um, we recently launched a open source email newsletter tools, which is 100% open source and free. Um, and it's available on GitHub, and that is available at sendportal.io. Um, and as I mentioned, we've got another tool coming out very shortly, which will help on the application metrics side. Love it. I can't wait to see that. I, I, I'm going to be your first user. So, <laughs> Well, Jonti, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for providing all the, the packages and the organization and the tooling that you do to Laravel World. And uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out to me with me today. Thanks very much for having me on. I re- really enjoyed it. All right. See you all next time.